that was part one. Yes. Hi, I'm Amy Axelson, joined by my mom, Barb Axelson, and this is Juvenile Svengali's. How are you? How's the weather? Have some fun with us and join us in our search for what happened to my mom's grandfather. Welcome to Juvenile Svengali's, where we find out what happened to Byron Wadsworth Culver, Princeton graduate, successful businessman, asylum inmate, and Juvenile Svengali. Much better. We are joined once again by our friend Mark Lynn, who helps us decorate our rabbit hole. Absolutely. And you know, I sent you the picture of the scorpions. No scorpions in Wisconsin. Are there scorpions in Eau Claire? That's what I want to know. Have you ever wondered what happened to a missing relative? You know those stories that get mumbled over or waved off? Last time on Juvenile Svengali's. All the time these three young men were at Dr. Pickens' house, Miss Briggs greatly desired to go home. What the heck is a Vitapectic Institute? Well, okay, wait, and pause for a rabbit hole. At his command, she laid herself down in the grass with him, and she saw her father pass within 12 feet of where she lay and was unable to do anything to attract his attention. When he was out of sight, Picken told her to get up, and they went on to Eau Claire. On this episode of Juvenile Svengali's... Where on earth did you find the Flint's hypnotic skirt dances? And now we're going to meet him, and I'm very excited about this. She was billed as the only lady hypnotist in America. <laughs> what? Mabel and Asakel are in Westside Park right now, and they're trying to get back to Eau Claire. Let's continue with Mabel's story and all this hypnotism that's going on in Eau Claire. And how are Byron and Mabel linked? So much of the first part of Miss Briggs' story, as to the facts of the second part, there is no question. So what they're saying is this first part, oh, that was kind of weird. But then they're saying that the rest of this is undisputable. Corroborated. August, it's corroborated. Thank you. On, again, I'm not a lawyer or I don't know anything. I'm just down a rabbit hole. On August 21st, the entrance examinations of the high school were held. She, she had to go to high school. She had to take a test for high school to get into high school, right? Right. She returned at noon and told her parents that she had passed. She did not return. So she skipped out. Wow. And she, he slapped her. The girl seemed to struggle to speak and finally exclaimed, Little Niagara. Whatever. What is that? Dr. Parker knows something about hypnotism. How did they know she wasn't drawing? Anyway. Dr. Herbert Flint of Chicago, an expert in hypnotism, was sent for. Now, now, Chicago is quite a distance from Eau Claire. Yeah. And this article makes it seem like he just, you know, bopped up there. But that's a day, assuming he hopped on a train immediately. That's a day away. So what train goes up to Eau Claire? That's like, uh, did they have a train line that went on the... Yes. I know there was an East Coast. There was a. There was. Is that West Coast train line still there? Because my my mother, my grandmother used to take the train to Eau Claire when she visited in the summer. So yes. So there's a West train line, and that would take like what five hours minimum? Oh, a, a day. It's a day visit. Okay. You know, it's a day long trip. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. That is her story of what occurred during the time she was away from home. It is an undisputed fact that she was in a deplorable condition when she was rescued by the policeman in the alley back of Dr. Pickens' house. When she was first hypnotized by Dr. Flint, she refused to give the names of the men who had detained her. Interesting. 
Dr. Flint, wait, so she refused to give him of the pickers? I think so, yeah. Uh, Dr. Flint said she was under hypnotic suggestion not to tell names and that he could not relieve her of that suggestion. He could not relieve her of that suggestion, really. When she was relieved of Dr. Flint's hypnotic influence, she went into his text and seemed to have, for the first time, a full realization of what had happened to her. Dr. Flint went that, okay. That, that, that has a, you know, all of a sudden she's, she's understanding what's, what the, the significance of what's going on, yes. Mm-hmm. Dr. Flint went back to Chicago, and Dr. Parker continued to treat Miss Briggs. Oh, really? At one of his visits, several days after Dr. Flint had gone, so... Dr. Parker became convinced that Miss Briggs was trying to hypnotize him. Harder. Okay. It was suspected then that the men she had refused to name were the Pickens, and Dr. Parker believed that it was at their command that she was trying to hypnotize him. He sent for Azagal Picken. He sent... <laughs> Is, are they, like, implying that she was trying to seduce him? I... Maybe? Maybe? And ordered him to relieve the girl of any commands he had given her, setting a limit to the time which young Pickens could have to carry out the order. Young Picken was so impressed by the doctor's orders that he obeyed. He went to Dr. Parker's office when Miss Briggs was there, hypnotized her, and relieved her of all his commands. Immediately, she told her story all over again in detail and named Dr. G. W. Picken and his son Azagal as her assailants. Oh, Dr. Herbert Flint. Okay, so Dr. Herbert Flint hypnotized her, and that's where he got the whole parrot bit out of her. This is what I'm getting out of this? Yeah. She stayed at Dr. Pickens' house until 11 o'clock that night. In the evening, three young men called and stayed until after 10 o'clock. What? So these are like different young men other than... Yes, yes. Are we, are we, are we in like... This sounds a little prostitution-y, doesn't it? Yeah. In this respect, their story corroborates hers. Whose story? The three young men, apparently. Who are these three young men? Uh, we don't know. Do well, we ever find this out? I don't, put, I haven't seen it. Let's put a pin in that. Then the case went to the district attorney. Mr. Frawley went over it carefully and obtained what corroborative details he could. He examined Mabel Briggs and Alma Leonard separately and closely, and their stories of the Chippewa Falls incident agreed and were not shaken. Alma Leonard kind of just never comes up again. Don't remember seeing this elsewhere. Okay, so they were saying that the two girls their stories matched separately and then he called in 10 men then he called in 10 men two of them lawyers more than usually successful at the Eau Claire bar and the other eight well-to-do substantial businessmen of the town and the other eight well-to-do substantial businessmen of the town <laughs> so why are they going in all these guys where are they coming from I wonder if some of these men, maybe there's the, 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 the three other younger people, maybe some of the men were the, the sons of the men. There's, there's collusion. There's collusion. There's collusion. Something's yeah. happening. There's collusion. Like, uh, let's, let's get our story straight. Something's happening here. The ten men, like, why are we getting in all these, like, why is everybody so, mm-hmm? Chief of Police Lafayette Elliott was also there. 
In the presence of these men, Miss Briggs went over the story again. The ten men cross-examined her for three hours and a half, and her story was not broken in any part. They left Mr. Frawley's office declaring that they were satisfied that she had told the truth. Hmm. She had... There were other people involved here. A lot of other people. Yeah. District Attorney Frawley prepared his case, and on Saturday night, November 24, Dr. Piggin and his son were placed under arrest, charged with criminal assault. They waived preliminary examination and were held in bail of $1,500. In bail of $1,500 to the circuit court for trial. That's a lot of money at the time. Yeah. On the yeah. on the night, so this is a serious charge. Yes. So to convert that, $1,500 in 1894 would be the equivalent of $51,657.73 in 2022. To the circuit court for trial. On the night of November 26th, Dr. Pickin was arrested on the charge of having abducted Edna Mabel Briggs and Alma Leonard. This was the Chippewa Falls incident in July. The doctor secured a continuance of his preliminary examination on this charge until December 7. Wait, so all this happened in July? I'm confused. No, no, the, the Chippewa Falls, that was the train ride to Chippewa Falls, and that happened in July. So he, they were so they they charged him with abduction. That, so that's that one count there, right? Oh, wait. So and, well, why is this happen? Why are they being charged in November if this happened in July? Uh, um, because there's the Chippewa Falls event, and then there's the thing that happened in September mm-hmm. when she was supposed to apply for school. So there's two. Uh, oh, they're two separate, different, separate charges, separate events. Oh, I did not make... So this had been going on for some time. So, I did not realize that. Yeah, yeah. So between... The so the, 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 they took the train ride to Chippewa Falls. In, she saw the parrot in June. Took right. the train ride in July. And then in September. And then they saw each other and did music lessons and whatever in the summer. And then in September, when she was supposed to apply for school, this other event happened. I kind of mushed them all together in my head. Okay, this is much more serious than I re- Okay. His bail was fixed at $1,000 in this case, which he furnished, as he did in the assault case. Azagal Pickin was unable to furnish bail and is now a prisoner in the Eau Claire County Jail. A lot going on with this guy. Dr. G.W. Pickin is 40 years old. He is of medium stature with iron-gray Pfefferian beard. He denies all the allegations against him and says that he is not a hypnotist. Hypnotism is a fake, he declares, and he knows nothing about it and has never professed to be able to use it. The whole story, he declares, has been trumped up by Dr. Parker and he attributes it to professional jealousy. In his Vitapathetic Institute, the only remedies he uses are electricity hot and cold water and sunshine so electricity and hot and cold water that that can't be a good mix no 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 sunshine's okay yeah sunshine's okay but electrocuting people might be a problem azagal pickin is not yet 21. he is a bit undersized has short curly hair and a small sandy mustache his eyes are brown small and set close together 
giving him a look of small cunning. Wow, that's a pretty... Mm, not a lot of wiggle room for whatever that is. So they just like basically said he looks like a weasel. He also denies having any knowledge of hypnotism and strenuously asserts his innocence of the charge against him. He has documentary evidence which will prove it, he says, when the time comes for its production. At a test in Dr. Parker's office, Miss Briggs hypnotized him. While he was under her influence, Dr. Parker ran a knife through his wrist. He gave no sign of pain whatever. After the test was over, he said he knew what was going on, but felt no pain. He, he bears, bears a scar, a scar on, his, on wrist his wrist where, where the, the knife, knife cut. cut. What on earth? Chief of Police Elliot saw this test and was converted to belief in hypnotism by it. Chief Elliot is not an emotional or sentimental man in any particular. He has the reputation in Eau Claire of possessing an unusual amount of what is commonly called good horse sense. And then we talk about this, you know, this is just bananas, this whole thing. Remember Dr. Flint, who came up from Chicago? Let's just take another look at him real quick. Mark found something that was... Well, let's just take another look. Where on earth did you find the Flint's hypnotic skirt dances? I just Googled the man. What? <laughs> That's all. And then I sent it through Google Images. So, um, Mark found a poster from a show that I will post for you so you can see it. It's fantastic. The Flint's Hypnotic Skirt Dance, 1895. Mr. and Mrs. Herbert L. Flint present the Flint's Hypnotic Skirt Dance, a cross-dressing stage act. You can go on Etsy and get, like, a lithograph of this poster and have it framed for yourself. Um, it is pretty fabulous, so you should probably, um, I'm going to get one. That's all I did. And Mr. and Mrs. Herbert Flint. She, yes, she turned out to be also a hypnotist, or maybe it's like, you know, one of those traveling pull the rabbit out of the hat shows maybe nobody's really hypnotized okay sort of like a circus performer okay and she was billed as the only lady hypnotist in america what (laughs) maybe maybe the only famous one who knows (laughs) (laughs) oh my god they really were married and they traveled around and hypnotized people what how Okay. It took me a while to figure out, wait, this really is the same guy. It is the same guy. Yeah, it is. And he was like the expert in the Briggs trial or something like that. That's and, right. And, and what, what's his name? He, what's his name? Herbert L. Flint. He, he comes in to interview Mabel and supposedly to try to release her from Azigal's uh, trance or whatever it is so that she yes. can actually talk about it. Yes. <laughs> Oh my god. And he turns out to be some like. He turns, I, I don't know. It's like Siegfried and Roy. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I feel like it's twirling. A twirling. It's a twirling show is what Twirling it is. skirts. Oh my goodness. District Attorney Frawley was not a believer in hypnotism until he began to investigate this case. He has always been regarded as an ultra-conservative. He is a good lawyer and has been a phenomenally successful prosecutor, 
losing only one case out of more than 200 that he has tried in his four years in office. He has been completely converted by this case and believes that he can secure a conviction. The biggest stumbling block in his way is Judge William F. Bailey, before whom the case will be tried. Judge Bailey has some radical beliefs, and the foolishness of hypnotism is one of them. He has expressed himself in very emphatic terms about the arrest of the Biggins, who have been his neighbors for years. He walked into an Eau Claire newspaper office recently while the Briggs case was under discussion and said, I tell you, gentlemen, this prosecution of Dr. Piggin is the most damnable outrage on law and justice I have ever seen. I have not had my feelings stirred for years as they have been in this affair. That such a delusion should exist in a civilized country and at this age is astounding. I will not allow hypnotism absurdity in the evidence of the prosecution. I have taken hold of this thing now, and I propose to stand between injustice and what I believe to be right. And as there is a God in Israel, this sort of prosecution has got to stop. They cannot convict Piggin. They told me some time ago they had none but hypnotic evidence, and that I cannot take notice of. Judge Bailey added that he knew a good deal about this case that had not come out yet. District Attorney Frawley, while speaking in the highest terms of Judge Bailey, says, When the judge says a thing, he means it. If he decides to shut out testimony showing that this girl was hypnotized and her ruin accomplished while she was in that condition, he will do it. The prosecution cannot help itself. It has no appeal and cannot take a change of venue. Judge Bailey's positive utterances about a case which is to come before him has caused a great deal of comment, much of which is unfavorable to the judge's position. Judge Bailey has the reputation of being an upright, incorruptible judge, a fine lawyer, tenacious of purpose, and very outspoken. A circuit judge under the laws of Wisconsin is an autocrat. He can only be removed by the legislature, and then only when specific charges have been preferred and sustained. The Briggs case has turned the town of Eau Claire into a mammoth debating club, where the question of hypnotism forms the sole topic. Many who were skeptics when the case was first brought to their attention have become converts to the hypnotic theory. From all over the United States, requests are pouring into Eau Claire for specific data regarding the hypnotic features of the Briggs case. Lawyers are writing to the district attorney informing him in cases tried in France and Holland in which hypnotism was the main feature. Miss Briggs seems to remember what occurred while she was under the alleged hypnotic influence with remarkable clearness and detail. Thus, thus ended the lesson. This is fun, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, what there's so story. much to like. What, what a bullshit story. Oh, my God. I mean, come on. Oh, <laughs> God. Oh man, this gets weird. And then I think yeah. I think probably some of the sons of these old dudes, of the old the, the men of repute or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, she's a hypnotist. She's a hypnotist. And then you know they it's the, the inmates turned her away. So some of these lawyers were at that whorehouse <laughs> in, exactly. in July. So what does all of this have to do with Byron? Well. 
Remember Judge Bailey? Judge Bailey is the same judge that decided that my mother's grandfather was legitimate and made public displays of hypnotism in Eau Claire illegal. We needed more information. If you want to do family research, doing family research in Eau Claire, Wisconsin is like very, they're so helpful. They are. Oh my God. And it, it, you know, when you ask a question, like what happened to my grandfather? I'm like, what? That's really interesting. Let me see what I can do. And they come through for you. And like lots of stuff. Yeah. They're like interested in it. And now we're going to meet him and I'm very excited about this. My mom and I continue to Eau Claire, Wisconsin because we gotta go see some expert archivists. We'll buy clover, clover what? Potatoes. Free wine. One mile ahead on left. It's so Marshfield is close to Siemens Point. It is. I am Now you give me directions on the thing. Okay, what is it? One sixty-nine. All right. That looks like some kind of hospital. That's it. Wait, is that, that is a that thing? Is that the clinic? It's a yeah. clinic. It's a health. System, Marshall Clinic. Clinic. And there's a cemetery. Oh, no, no. It was right across the street. Jody Kiffmeyer at the Chippewa Valley Museum and Greg Koken, university archivist at the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire. Archivists are so cool. On the next episode of Juvenile Svengali's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the more I'm listening to your podcast, I'm like, oh, yeah, there is more to this. Something's going on here. The Vitopathic Institute. Yeah, Water Street is interesting. There was a, although, I mean, well, and there was a ferry landing um, right at the end of 4th Avenue. A hypnotic green parrot had testified that there were two people buried in the basement, and then that just kind of went away. An abduction and a possible double murder. Seems to be redacted or in and then goes away. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, and that's, you have to be so careful with the newspapers from that time. They didn't bother. Join us as we uncover what happened to my mom's grandfather in the bizarre world and colorful cast of characters we discover in the most unlikely of places, the Gilded Age of Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Thank you for listening to Juvenile Svengali's. We hope to see you next time. A special thank you to Mark Glenn, TF. Music by Jason Shaw of Audionautics.com. Simon Sounds, Dude Awesome, and Frankie of Freesound.org. Thank you for listening to Juvenile Svengali's. Special thanks for their help and encouragement to Associate Professor Greg Koken, Head Special Collections Librarian and University Archivist at the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, and Jody Kiffmeyer, Archivist at the Chippewa Valley Museum at Eau Claire. And special thanks to Hillside Cemetery in Marshfield and Forest Hill Cemetery in Eau Claire. This is Amy Axelson. And I'm Barb Axelson, and this is Juvenile Svengali's. Juvenile Svengali's is written, edited, and produced by Amy Axelson. If you want to see Dr. Flint's poster and other fun images about Dr. Flint's traveling show, you can visit us at www.juvenilesvengalis.com. You can visit us on Instagram at Juvenile Svengalis or visit us on Facebook at Juvenile Svengalis. Thanks for listening. Bye.